Welcome to Palmdale United Methodist Church's podcast for Sunday, June 14th, 2020. May God use this as a blessing to you today. And now, Pastor Aaron Stenberg. O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I graduated from high school, one of the coolest things that my parents did was to create a scrapbook of memories. It was nothing fancy. In fact, it was tied together with some yarn, uh, but it had pictures representing uh, different times in my life leading up to my graduation, and with it, a penny taped to the page. And each penny was for a different year of my life. Now, I think that there is a law or a code somewhere about not altering or messing with money, um, and I don't know if super glue on pennies counts, but it's been quite a while since I graduated, so I think we're okay. But I loved the message that this scrapbook gave me, and I loved the message that my parents were teaching to me, and that is that each year of our lives is important and filled with experiences. And there is a rhythm to our lives, an ebb and flow like waves on the sand. We are constantly being gathered in and being sent out. Uh, For the past four years, our seniors have been gathering together for high school, and they are now being sent out to the next chapter of their lives. And we too have those moments, those comings and those goings in our lives, from mornings to evening, from birth to death, for times of turning inward and times of focusing outward. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and it shows us this pattern with Jesus as well. Over the past 10 chapters, Jesus has been gathering his disciples together. They have walked alongside him. They have witnessed miracles. They have learned from his teachings. And now Jesus is about to send them out. While our text this morning begins in chapter 10, I would like for us to back up just a little bit to start with Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, for some additional context. If you have your Bible with you, I'd like to invite you to follow along, or if you have our church app downloaded uh, on the homepage, there is a link to the free YouVersion uh, Bible app, so I invite you to turn to that. Matthew 9, 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Jesus has called the disciples. He has invited them to follow him and become fishers of men. And together they have traveled many roads. And now Jesus sees the crowds around him. He sees their suffering. And like every good leader, Jesus recognizes that great need and begins to delegate. 
He has been teaching and mentoring the disciples up to this point, and they have been following and listening and learning, but it is graduation day. It's a fitting text for this transitional time we all find ourselves in today. It's not just our seniors who are dealing with big life changes. It's also our children who have finished up the school year, thanks be to God, and thanks to all of the hard work of the parents adapting to their children uh, learning from home. We also have college graduates who are looking to enter the workforce. And June is that time of year when United Methodist pastors all over the United States are saying goodbye to their congregations and packing their homes for new appointments. In just over a week, I will be heading down to Malibu to be the pastor of Malibu United Methodist Church. It is a time of sending. But it is also a time of welcoming. As of July 1st, you will be welcoming Pastor John Gentry as PUMC's new associate and also welcoming his wife, Cordy. It will be a new beginning of relationships and ministry together. A lot of change this time of year. And I got to thinking this week that while every year has a certain level of change, I think we can probably all agree that 2020 has been extra special. You have to admit that 2020 is a year that decided that it was going to show up and see what else it could throw into the mix. I mean, we have a global pandemic, shelter at home, physical distancing, blatant racial injustices, protests, extreme political polarization, riots, looting. And to tell the truth, I haven't scrubbed and washed my hands this much in my lifetime ever. And to top it off, uh, while I was preparing this sermon, I received a pop-up notice on my computer screen that literally said, important reminder, Flash Player's end of life is the 31st of December, 2020. You cannot make this stuff up. 2020 has been a year that has seemed to have gone on for about a decade and turned the dial up to 10. But it's good to remember that there is a flip side to difficult changes in our lives and society. Because it's times like this when we realize how adaptable and resilient we really are. Many of us have started Zoom family reunions. We've been having heartwarming car parades. Homemade masks are being made and shared with one another. Some of us have learned how to make homemade bread from scratch um, to different levels of success. I might say. But we have medical heroes, we have virtual choirs of hundreds, and I have heard that Hamilton is coming to Disney Plus on July 3rd. We are all in a time of being sent, in many senses of the word. Sent to be inside our homes for the safety and the care of others. Sent out to the streets to raise our voices as we seek to be in solidarity and work to address systemic injustice. We are being sent deep into a tech and digital world that many of us honestly have been avoiding. And we are being sent to be more present than we ever have been with our spouses, our children, our family, our friends, and our community. 
There's power in framing our lives as being sent. God has given us responsibility and purpose to do no harm, to do good, and to stay in love with God. And I think that there are times when focusing on the language of following Jesus might actually do us a bit of a disservice. Yes, we are followers of Jesus. We try to live as he lived and to love as he loved. But to lean too much on following can sometimes create a type of passivity within us. We aren't just followers. We are also sent. We are not just observers, not just focused on our individual selves, but we are the laborers, and the harvest is plentiful. Jesus is the good shepherd who also empowers us, who gives us authority and enables us to work in partnership with him in the work, and he sends us out. Matthew 10 begins with Jesus summoning the 12 disciples and giving them authority. He gathered, he empowered them, and he sent them out, 12 disciples. Now, in Scripture, a number is rarely just a number, and so we look at these 12 disciples or apostles, and we can see how they symbolize reaching out to the 12 tribes of Israel. No one is being left out. And the word apostles comes from the Greek apostolos, which means the sent out one. It's used only once in the Gospel of Matthew in this passage. And unlike the naming of the twelve in the other Gospels, here in the Gospel of Matthew, they are paired together. They won't be going out alone. They will be going out two by two. And we get to Matthew 10, 5. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Now this mission of the disciples is found in the other gospels as well, but Matthew is the only one that has this striking instruction as to where the disciples are to go and to not go. It can be somewhat jarring to read, go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter no town of the Samaritans. Wait a minute, isn't Jesus' message for all? What about his parable of the Good Samaritan and his building those bridges between these two communities that essentially hated each other? I think it's important that we keep in mind that Matthew, in writing his gospel, already has a clear understanding of Jesus' worldwide mission. In Matthew 28, 18, when Jesus appears to the 11 disciples after his resurrection, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And this directive to the disciples to avoid the Gentiles here in chapter 10, Matthew may simply be acknowledging that Jesus's earthly ministry was directed primarily to the people of Israel. That being said, when others reached out to Jesus for healing, they weren't ever turned away. 
They were part of the crowd, and they followed him as well. And after Jesus' resurrection, the gospel was to be preached to the entire world. In the interpreter's commentary on Matthew, Douglas R.A. Hare makes a powerful observation that there are two imperatives in Jesus' instructions to the disciples in verses 6 through 8, proclaim and cure. And he points out that, that the verse can be summarized in the commands, preach and heal. Hare writes, as in the ministry of Jesus, the disciples' proclamation of the good news of the kingdom must be corroborated by signs of the kingdom. The emphasis clearly lies less on producing supernatural displays of uh, supernatural power and more on manifesting concern for God's hurting people. The message about the coming of God's rule must be rendered believable through concrete demonstrations of God's caring. And that's something that as a church, we strive to be faithful to, right? At Palmdale United Methodist Church, we are inspired by Jesus to love. We seek to reach out to our neighbors with love for their whole persons, physically, mentally, spiritually. Preaching and healing cannot be divided. And Jesus demonstrates that balance time and time again, yet another ebb and flow rhythm to our lives as disciples. Verse 8 goes on to say, you received without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. Here Jesus is giving the disciples the rules for the road, the guidelines for their travels, if you will. Freely you have received, freely give, pack light. In a time and culture where understood rules of hospitality applied, these verses can be difficult for us to approach. But the disciples are, are not to plan ahead. But when arriving in a town, they are to ask who might let them stay. According to Ben Witherington III in his Smith and Hellas Bible commentary, they are not to move from house to house, but to stay in one place in a particular village. It would shame the original host if they went to another house in the same town. So it was an honor and shame issue. And Jesus is also implying that his disciples will live in a simple fashion. Jesus then is not urging aestheticism, and certainly not for its own sake, but rather simplicity and the willingness to move on faith and allow God to provide through others. Verse 12, as you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on that day of judgment than for that town. Again, we see here the importance of hospitality, the code of caring for and protecting the guest, even at the risk of one, one's own family and property something the stories of Sodom and Gomorrah exemplified as having been broken. 
And I love here the image of greeting the house when you enter it. Now, I'm sure it's metaphorical referring to greeting the household of people that you encounter, but it speaks to me of intentionality and gratitude. Have you ever entered your home or taken a moment in your day to acknowledge your house, your space of living, the protection it provides, and the memories that it carries? So the disciples then, they are to greet the house. But if they are not welcomed or listened to, to shake the dust from their feet and to leave and to move on to the next place. Our final verse this morning in verse 16, Jesus says, See, I am sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So we are to go. And wherever we find ourselves, we are sent to be like sheep and not to become wolves ourselves. And as sheep, we remain under the care of the good shepherd. We are also to be wise or cunning like the serpent. In Exodus, Moses is given power by God to throw his staff down so that it might become a snake to demonstrate God's ability to do wonders. I think it's a great reminder for us that as we go, we go not under our own power, but God's. And finally, we are to be as innocent as doves, like the little children that Christ calls to himself, not naive, but with a trusting faith, unshaken by the storms of life. God continually gathers us in and sends us out, equipped, inspired, and given the task to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that has shaped and transformed our lives. We follow Jesus who inspires us to love and then tells us, well then, go do it. So where is God sending you today, this week, this month, this year, to bring the message of peace and justice and love, to tell of a Savior who teaches of one who left the 99 to seek the one who was lost? who offered grace to those who least expected it and to those who society said didn't deserve it, who humbled himself and gave up his power, gave up his life out of love. The gospel is the good news of hope that the world desperately needs to hear, a message that we need to speak and one that we need to live out through our actions. We are all sent all the time with this mission. And we may not be sent far. It may be conversations online. It may be with our friends and family over the phone. Honestly, where we are sent looks like all of the places we find ourselves. Home, grocery store, work, maybe even Facebook and Instagram. But we aren't limited there. This mission and message of Jesus might push us to places that we wouldn't expect. Maybe it's feeding the hungry, visiting or writing to those in prison, or learning about and working towards criminal justice reform. It may look like supporting medical research, working to address homelessness or poverty or mental illness. For me, this is a time to continue the lifelong work of educating myself about racism with reading and with listening and finding ways that I can intentionally be anti-racist, 
to intentionally expand the authors I read, the podcasts I listen to, the movies I watch, to hear voices and experiences of cultures different from mine. We are all called to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And I was thinking about this week, about what that implies. We are called to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. What does that imply? That disciples change the world. That in following Jesus, we bring, we show, we embody God's love and justice, peace and grace. And we invite others to come and see and to follow and then to go out themselves. We gather and we send. For me, this is also a time of being sent in a physical sense from the beauty of the desert of the Antelope Valley and this amazing community of faith to a new ministry on the beaches of Malibu. Over the past three years, God has sent us to amazing places, from the women's retreat in the mountains to the youth's eco-justice retreat at the nature preserves in Ojai. We have gone into the community to bring attention to the problem of human trafficking. We have gone to Camp Wrightwood for winter camp and youth summer camp. And we have gone so many places with the youth group and the young adult group uh, for Destination Unknown. Together, we have dived into reading and studying scripture. We have prayed with and for one another, enjoyed countless meals together on food for thought, gathered together now through Zoom virtually, and we've gathered at the table to celebrate Holy Communion. God has sent us to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and welcome the stranger. We have worshiped and sung and laughed and cried. And so I will embark to my first appointment as a solo pastor, knowing that your prayers and your encouragement and your love of me over the past three years has helped shape me into the person that I am today. I cannot express how grateful I am for our time together, and you will continue to be in my prayers. We are constantly gathered together and then sent out. The waves crashing on the sand and then fading away. But here's the thing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, and God's love ultimately holds us all together, wherever we are, wherever we go. Thanks.